Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Nate. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are at the end of our series, The Intentional Year, and today we get to talk about work, work in our intentional year. And in my early 20s, I thought I found my forever job, the job that I was going to work all the way through retirement, and it was an hour away from the town that I lived in, up the mountain, um, and with it being an hour away, we often, you know, we, we would carpool together, we would ride share. And with that, I had a guy early on in my career who had this saying, and I didn't understand where it came from. I don't understand, I, I, I had no clue, but in his, the grisliest voice he could come up with, he would, when we pulled up to the gates, he would say, it's time to head into the old salt mine. I'm in Central California. There's no salt mines around us. I have no clue what he's talking about until I moved here. And I took my first tour 600 feet down. And as soon as you get in there, you start to see the pictures of what it was like back then and the big heavy equipment and the vehicles that were left and the places where there was trash everywhere. And it was grinding work. It was hard work. In fact, uh, a guy named Mike Rowe made a living, got famous off of a show called Dirty Jobs, and that's what it did. It, it followed people around who did dirty or hard grinding jobs, and it, it, I guess it made us all feel better about what we do. Um, but, but, but really, even if we love our jobs, even if we enjoy our jobs, there's those days. There's the days that leave you feeling empty, and numb, maybe even a little, little broken. And, and by the numbers, guess what? We're not alone. Um, there is a survey that came out from Human Resources Director. It's a magazine. And the title of, this was just put out a couple weeks ago, by the way. The title of the article is this, Alarming Low, Only 22% of Employees are satisfied with their job. 22% of employees actually are just even satisfied. That's a pretty low bar. And the reasons that they came up with this uh, work-life balance, of course, everyone seems to feel that. Salary, salary was another big one. It was number two on the list. And other surveys that we have seen come out really show us that it doesn't matter how much you make, you could be making hundreds of thousands of dollars. What the survey tells us is if you, you still wish you just had a little more. If you just had a little more, then everything would be okay. Uh, meaningful work, the purpose of their work was another one. Recognition and appreciation, they don't feel like anyone really sees what they do. Um, opportunities for growth, the status kind of kind of deal, um, relationships with other employees, relationship with leaders, and then feeling safe and including. These are all the reasons why the rest of that group are dissatisfied with their work. And ladies and gentlemen, this, this is a problem. This is the lowest that these statistics have ever been. And like I said, this is two weeks ago. This is two weeks ago, but this problem it, it's not new. It's always felt like this. We even see this in the Bible and 
and especially in the book of Ecclesiastes, some people know the book of Ecclesiastes and it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those books you look at and go, what, why? Um, chapter one, verse two through four says this, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Now, as I started this week, as I started writing this sermon, that's the first passage I opened up in my studies was this. So the first line I get to read is, everything is meaningless. So what, what am I even doing here? Why, why am I even trying this? But really, the Hebrew word for meaningless right here, it's, it's tough to, to translate, especially in these type of situations, but it's hebel, hebel. And what it really means is smoke or vapor. So everything is smoke or vapor. And the picture that it paints is this idea that it looks solid. It, it can look beautiful and it's right there in front of you. But as you try to grasp it, as you try to grab it, it slips right through your fingers. Really, it's just empty. <clears throat> Verse three says this. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes meaningless. Verse eight, everything is worrisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. And what the book of Ecclesiastes is really doing is it paints this picture of a life of a person that's chasing after things that are of this world, the things that we think will bring us happiness, that job that will just kind of fill that itch and bring us purpose, right? The money that comes with that job that'll help finally help us buy everything that we think we deserve in the status the everyone look at me type mindset that, that often runs wild in workplaces. All the stuff that we believe will finally make us happy. And when we think we have it, when we think it's right here, when we think we can grab it and finally live that life, it slips right through our fingers because it was, it was never solid to begin with. And folks, we we, must, we have mistaken our purpose, our worth, and our value with our occupations, and this is the results from it. This is why things feel meaningless. But the good thing is, it was never supposed to be this way. And we can actually point to the moment that everything changed for humanity. And of course, it's in, it's in Genesis, and it's Adam and Eve, and it's, it's that moment where they choose to disobey God. They choose to go their own way. They want to be like God. They want to make their decisions. And Eve reaches out and grabs that fruit and her and, her and Adam eat of it to have it their way, to be like God. And the results are this. Genesis 3 says, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch out a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grains, but the sweat, by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until the, you return to the ground from which you were made. 
And that was their choice. They chose to walk away from the life that God had for them. And we see that in our own behavior if we're honest. If we're honest, when, when we feel the worst, we're making that same choice. We're, we're choosing to see life from our point of view and the things that we want and the things that we strive for. That is what we are choosing day in and day out. And it can even be for good reasons. We could be just struggling to feed our family, struggling to just make an existence for ourselves in this life. But in the end, what we figure out is when we pray, we're praying for the things that we want to change and not the things that God wants to change in and around us. They were given a choice. We were given a choice. We are given a choice each and every day to do it our way and God's way, or God's way. Church, I know this is a lot. Trust me, I went through it. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is kind of gonna be a downer. But are we ready for some good news? Yes, okay. Okay, we're ready for some good news. Okay, Genesis 1 and 2 gives us the picture of what life was supposed to look like. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it changes everything. It's, it shows us what humans were really made to be, what they were really made to do. And it is to be his image. It is to be the stewards of his creation and to govern it. It actually tells us we were made to reign over that creation in his image for him. And what, what Eden was, what that first creation was, what the garden was, was it at, was actually this moment that, and the Bible Project does a great job. If you've never go to thebibleproject.com, they have theme videos and you can watch a video that says heaven and earth and, and they describe this so well. But Eden was this place where heaven and earth were fully merged. They fully overlapped and it is where we were meant to spend our eternity with him. And then it all came crashing down. We chose our way. Humanity chose their own way and from there on, the rest of the Bible tells us a story of God trying to go back and make everything, the plan that he has to make everything right again. And the, the Bible project actually has to say, it's, it's why they exist. They're saying is the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Every book in the Bible is messianic lit literature that points forward to Jesus. From that moment where we mess up and failed, God's chasing after us. And God is going to make it right again. There's another organization called The Spoken Gospel, and they do the same thing. They make videos. And their whole purpose is to make a video from every book of the Bible that shows us where Jesus is in it, even the Old Testament. And I, I'm gonna seek a little bit of permission here and it's, it's, it's to geek out a little bit. So this is what I spent a lot of my sabbatical on this last summer and it's something called hyperlinks. Hyperlinks. And this chart right here shows that some of you might have seen this. But every little line down here, the gray, gray and white lines, that's a chapter in the Bible. And then these arches, these colorful arches, that, that kind of connects from point to point, those are called hyperlinks. 
And it, a hyperlink is simply this. It's, it's, a hyperlink is a connection of an idea or theme from one place in the Bible to another. And the links often build on each other and intensify as we walk through scripture. It takes what was already there and God teaches us even more about what the true meaning was. Does that make sense? So right here, our first hyperlink will we'll go right here. And it's, it's about water. And the importance of water. Here we see that that in Eden, before the rain ever fell, springs of water would bubble up from the ground and water and bring life and make Eden this, this place of abundance, this place of beauty and, and everlasting just abundance. And so we take water for granted in the way we see it. But when an, when an ancient reader looks at it, they see something totally different. See, today we just... We just turn on the faucet and water pours out. And I have, a, I have an issue with water. I'm, I'm kind of a water snob, I guess you would say. So in my office, I have this big crock. It's this big ceramic crock and it's got two and a half gallons of water and it. it's got another big jug on top. It is four feet from my desk and I am a gallon a day type of water drinker. I drink water constantly and it can only be the best stuff. So I take that jug every week and I fill it up at HTO with their triple filtered whatever it is. I don't know. It's just good. But it's right there. Everything I do in my life, that water is right there. But for ancient readers, it wasn't that way. If it didn't rain and the, 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 the streams dried up and the, the shallow wells started to dry up, they couldn't just go punch a deeper hole. They didn't have the equipment. So famine and death soon followed. Water was so important to everything that they did. It was literally life. So the importance of water, we, we don't see it the way that they did. And it hyperlinks from there. Over here, to, to, let's see, John's about right here. John chapter four, there's, there's a very famous story. It's the woman at the well. And see, what we know is the woman at the well, she was there in the middle of the day and Jesus came up and started, and started talking to her. And the reason why she was there in the middle of the day with all her jugs and ready to lug her water back to her family and be able to do all the things that you need to do with water. The reason why she was there is because she has a past. She doesn't just have a past, she has a present. And it's not good. See, most of the women came and gathered water in the cool of the morning, but she wasn't welcome with them because of the life that she leads. So she's there in the middle of the day and Jesus drops this little thing on her. John chapter four, verse 14 says this, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring from within them, giving them eternal life. So the water here in Genesis, the water that's so important to life is now coming from a man. It's coming from Jesus. 
that changes everything. That builds and intensifies off of what water, the, the water actually is because it's life. And a little bit later, take, a, take another short little hop, a couple chapters later, um, the, the idea intensifies even more. John 7, 37 and 38 says this, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living, river, <laughs> rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So not only is it the basis of God's creation, now it's being used, it hops over to coming from a man in, in Jesus and now it's coming from us. That living essence is now coming from us and that is our purpose. And I know this is supposed to be about work, but I'm getting there. That is our purpose. And it has to come from our innermost being, our, we say heart here, in the original language, it's guts. That's the, it kind of means the same thing. It's just the, the innermost part of us. Je the water, the essence that flows from Jesus, the Holy Spirit has to get into the innermost part of us. And then it overflows from us and waters the wilderness that is around us. And I want to be clear, we don't, we don't save people. We don't give this eternal life, but it is Jesus that's overflowing from us, that they get to see overflowing from the way that we live our lives that, is, that gives the eternal life. We're just conduits. We're just a part of the process, and he chose us to be a part of that process. For 13 years, I worked at that job. And at first it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Made a lot of money. See, my, my schooling was to be a firefighter. And through connections that I had, other people that, that worked at this place, I, I, I soon learned in California just how much money prison guards made. It was a lot. What they don't tell you is in California, they make a lot of money because nobody else wants to do it. So that's the only way they can get people to do it. And like I said, it was, it was good for a little while until it wasn't. Until it became a grind. Until the surroundings started to take a part of me started to take a part of my soul. So you can't, you can't be in a place like that. You can't see the things that, that you see in a place like that and it not change you. I still have things that are imprinted in my brain. I have smells and other senses that when I think back to certain situations, I'm there again. And it changed me. And talking to a lot of my friends that are, that are cops and firefighters and that were in the military, it's, just, it's the same thing. When you're in an environment like that, when you do that each and every day, it starts to steal part of your soul. And that's what it was doing to me until, until a moment everything changed for me. A 
Because I found out that the more and more and more I focused on myself and my, my circumstances and what I hated about the job and what it, was, what it was doing to me, the harder and harder things got. And then God started teaching me stuff. He started showing me that when I focused on watering the wilderness that I was in, on being a part of that chain, I started to feel my purpose again. What God has created me for, and it had nothing to do with what I did as a job. And I started to hear a common phrase from the people I worked with, from the guys that I worked with, and it was, it was simply this, can I talk to you? And from that moment on, I started walking with people through, through addictions, through divorces, through pain, through death. And my purpose was clear. I was there to water the wilderness around me. And I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be honest here. It didn't make everything easy. The job was still hard. There were days where I went and I still hated it. But my purpose wasn't in the career. The purpose was in what God did with me there. Jeff, and, Jeff Wells and Curtis Mitchell, are they here today? Yep, there they are. So I, when, I, when I was going through this, I started thinking about them. They're, they're officials at the highest rated officiating crew in the state. So how they get those ratings is the coaches vote for the, for the best crews and year after the year, year, they're at the top. Tied this year, I think is what he said. But year after year, they're at the top. But when, when I hear stories from them, even being some of the best in the game, when I hear stories of what they have to deal with, oh my goodness. They're trying to recruit me and I don't want any part of it. <laughs> but they have a choice each and every Friday. Each and every Friday they walk on that field they have the opportunity to water the wilderness that they're in. They get to be a difference in that place no matter what is happening around them. So what about you? You have the same choice. What does it look like in your workplace? What does it look like in your schools if you're still a student. If you're retired, you're a bond servant to Jesus. It doesn't matter, you're still working. You're still living out your purpose. So what does it look like when you move into your place of work, your occupation? What does it look like for you to water that wilderness around you? Because life flowing through you, it's what's, what may be the only opportunity that those people see Jesus. They're dealing with the same things that you are. They may just not have the grounding in Jesus that you have. So are you showing them that? Each and every week, each and every day when you show up, are you watering that wilderness? That's what he made us for. That's what he created us for. We get to be a part of that. The worship band's gonna come up. We're gonna sing a song. And this, when I think through what it looks like, 
How do we do this each and every week, each and every day? There's one thing, and it's, it's actually a pillar of ours. We have four pillars when it comes to, um, comes to our discipleship process. And number two on there is engage with God. And engage is, we spell it weirdly, we spell it with an I, and we can explain this every time, but the I is in engage is, it's simply this. It's, a pers- it's engaging in a personal relationship. That's why we use it. That's why we use it. So when we open our Bibles up through the week, we do it because when we read and we do our devotions, we learn about God's heart. We learn about his plan and we learn about his purpose for us. When we pray each and every week, we want it to change our heart to the things that he wants from us, not what we want out of this world. And I I gotta go back. The moment that changed for me, the moment that helped me realize my purpose was a moment in worship. And I'm gonna get a little bold here. Because when I would come to church, I would stand when everyone stood and I would watch as everyone else worshiped. And I don't know why. I don't know what I thought of myself to not give myself to to the worship of God. I don't know what it was, but I have a question for you and it's for those of us that just stand there and we observe the act of worship and not participate. I have a question for you, and, and it's harder for men than it is women. And so I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna be bold, and I, I, I can because I'm, I'm wearing a flannel, and this means I'm a dude. And it's not a dress shirt flannel, it's a real flannel. <clears throat> and so that gives me some street cred. In fact, my, my son just bought me a young LA t-shirt, and I don't know what that is, but supposedly it's legit, so that's, that's my credentials I'm coming with right now. This is the question I wish someone would have asked me each and every week when I, when I sat there. What are you scared of? What are you so scared of that you're not willing to give God the glory that he deserves? What are you so scared of that you're not willing to walk into this moment of worship and be a part of it. There's nothing special in this room. The only thing that's special in this room is the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is here and he wants to be a part of this moment with you and that we're here together, getting to do this together. So what are you so afraid of? And in this moment of worship, we're going to prepare ourselves for what this week of work looks like. We're going to open our heart and up, let God get to the very innermost parts of us so that when we walk into our jobs, it may not be any easier than it was last week, but we have a purpose there. So let's stand and let's worship together. So we go this week. You guys can have a seat. This is gonna be a couple more minutes. So when we go this week and we we pull up to 
our workplace, our schools, whatever it may be. We've got a challenge for you. It's one simple thing. And it, it comes from the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is, is it's an outline of how we are to pray. And there's a piece of it that I want to focus on right now. And it's the simple part of your will on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, not mine. Not what I'm feeling in this moment walking into this place. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. And there's a quote that I love. It comes from Tim Mackey. And it has to do with this part of the Lord's Prayer. And it says this, but we are praying and hoping for the day when the two meet together. That's heaven and earth. Back to what creation was originally was in Eden. We are praying and hoping for the day when the two meet together. It's a hope, but it is also something I am to pray for every day and begin to live it out. And so, the story of the New Testament is of heaven taking over more and more of earth. One person, one family, one neighborhood, and I'll add one workplace, and one community at a time. All pointing to the future day of of the new Eden, the new creation where heaven and earth overlap and fully become one again because of Jesus. That's our purpose. We are to bring heaven with us. And wherever we go, we are to show people what it's going to be like. So when you, when you, when you pull up to your workplace, that's your prayer. On earth, as it is in heaven and church this year, we, we set a big goal. We said we are a church that's going to be for the one. And we set a goal of 100 baptisms in this year. And that doesn't happen unless we start living our purpose. Unless we start taking heaven to wherever we may go. Because our community needs a church that is willing at all costs to bring heaven with them. Your workplace needs a church that is willing to at all costs bring heaven with them. And some of you, we talk about next steps here. You, you haven't taken your next step and this one's next week. And I hope that if God's been calling you to this, you don't leave here today without signing up because I know some of you have. I know some, some of you have told me that God has been calling you to this moment. And I'm gonna ask the question again. What are you so scared of? What are you so scared of that you're not willing to show the world that you are Jesus's? Because once you do this and we start filling that back wall with signatures from other people that are being baptized and and you get to be a part of that new creation, you get to do the baptizing. Don't miss that moment. 
Don't miss that moment because you were too scared. Bottom line for all of this. If you want to work, if you want your work to have purpose, bring your purpose to work. If you leave and you can remember one thing, it's that line. If you want your work to have purpose, bring your purpose to work. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you for this day. And we thank you that you allow us to be part of this new creation that you're bringing. We get to be a part of what you're doing in people's lives, Lord. And we ask that you give us the courage to go and to water the wilderness wherever we may go, in our workplace especially, but everywhere we go, help us to be a part of life change. Help us to bring a little piece of heaven with us. Lord, that's what you have called us to. Holy Spirit, fill us. Help us to succeed in this mission. Help us to drive forward. Put a fire in our hearts for the one. With your heads down and your eyes closed, some of you have never decided that you are going to be a part of what Jesus is bringing to this world. You don't know him yet, but you're... you're, maybe feeling drawn right now. This is the moment. This is the moment you say yes to Jesus and you give your life to him. If God's calling you to be his for the rest of eternity, I want you to do something for me right now with the heads down. Will you, will you raise your hands right now if God is calling you to that moment? Thank you. We're gonna stand up right now and we're going to do something we do each and every week and we're going to say the prayer, the, the prayer for someone to receive Jesus for the first time. We're, we're going to do it together. We do it together each and every week so no one has to do it alone. So will all you repeat after me? Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen.